I'm Chris Lawson. In 2015, I started my journey into the world of IVF. Along the way, there was heartache, pain, wacky diets, loss of faith, and a lot of needles. It's a roller coaster ride at the best of times, and as I sat in the fertility clinic waiting room, many times alone with my thoughts, I realised that men don't talk about fertility much. That's why I decided to start up this podcast, IVF Dad. This is my story, and it features some of the experts we met along the way, complete with advice, support, and money-saving tips. Episode 13, Is Everything Rosy? So, 20 days after the transfer and 10 days after the pregnancy test, we are due to fly to Ireland to see Trisha's dad. Do we tell him? Don't we tell him? Either way, we are as excited as we can be. We have a really good feeling about this one. We really do. Now, Trisha's dad isn't one for getting into the personal details, but he can tell we're happy and it's great to see him. I go for a run in the countryside and I feel free, I feel relaxed. For the first time in a long time, I cry as I run around. I find running a release for me. And what is not to love? I'm in the beautiful court countryside and my wife of six months is finally pregnant. It is a dream come true. We drive out to see one of Trisha's aunts and talk about the wedding. But we don't mention the baby, even though we are dying to. And I say to Trish, look, I know it's early, but I think you should tell your dad. We are over here and it would be great for him to know now rather than find out on the phone when we're back home in the UK. We're driving back and wondering what we're going to do in the evening. And then Trish stops talking and I ask her what's wrong and I pull over the car. Trisha started bleeding and we were in the middle of rural Ireland, due to fly home the next day. We sit there in stunned silence and both cry. What the hell do we do now? And to be honest, we weren't just talking about the next 12 hours. We were talking about our life stretching in front of us. I go into practicality mode as we look at options. We call the emergency line at the clinic. We can get straight to the hospital tomorrow morning. There is nothing that's going to be easily available to us now. It's not going to change anything. And we didn't want to alarm Trisha's dad, so we sit tight and say nothing. We go back to Trisha's dad's place. Neither of us feel like talking. I offer Trisha a glass of wine. Bit of a challenge in a way. I'm taking my lead from her, whether there is any hope or whether it's all gone. She takes half a mouthful and then says she doesn't want the rest. The next morning we fly straight into London and go to the hospital. We get there for 8am and wait for the receptionist and sonographer to arrive. And we wait. Trish sees Liz, one of the sonographers, and Liz takes her into her room and she cries. I dread to think what they are talking about. We get called in by another sonographer who tells us about protocol and that she wishes the emergency team wouldn't put people in a diary without telling her first. And she's talking about diary management and how many patients she's got to see. And she says, see, there's a heartbeat. Nothing to worry about. Sorry, what did you say? There's a heartbeat. Yes, of course there is. Bleeding is actually quite common. We can't believe it. 
We, we have a fighter on our hands. We feel foolish, we feel relieved, we feel anything but calm, but there is a heartbeat and we still have hope. Even at this stage, it was an important lesson as we were so used to expecting bad news, we almost anticipated it. Bleeding is actually quite common and doesn't automatically mean game over. That last roll of a dice, our frozen embryo from before we were married, that new hope that we put back in on transfer day with Dr. Taylor, it finally worked. Trish is pregnant. A few weeks later, we are on a plane to Spain for a holiday. It's perfect. Trish can relax and we can take it easy and hope that this one goes through to full term and she doesn't miscarry. Every day I'm checking how Trish is doing. Casually, but not too subtly. I drive her absolutely mad. I'm fine. I will tell you when something is wrong. Our niece Grace and her daughter Sienna have come to visit us and it's lovely. And we go out for lunch near the sea to this beautiful restaurant. And Trish says, I need a steak. I order seafood. And when it arrives, I'm not talking some measly eight ounce steak. I'm talking a full-on continental Florentine steak, practically taking up the size of a plate. I'm thinking I made the wrong choice in the food order. I'm waiting patiently to finish her leftovers as usual. And we're chatting and I look around and the plate is empty. That's when I knew, that's when I really knew this pregnancy was actually happening. Something is happening in Trish's body that has never happened before and is demanding a whole load of food and nutrients. We tell Grace and Sienna and tell them that the pregnancy is early but all is going well and they are beyond excited. We fly back home and Jalia does the scan for us and it's great. All the vital signs are good. And then something strange happens. She says, so you can go. We are dismissed into the big wide world. So that's it, she says. The lining is healthy. The sound of a heartbeat is fine. The embryo is growing at normal speed. Congratulations, we don't need to see you anymore. It was like a distant memory of that big move from primary school to big school. I was so ready to move up for a new adventure. But this also was all I knew for the last four years. What would we do without the team of the sonographers, the nurses, the embryologists and the consultants around us? Who would look after us now? It really did feel unsettling. We chose UCLH, that's University College London Hospital. And they looked after us fantastically. It was good to be back in the NHS. Like I said up front, the NHS wasn't a choice for us due to our age. And as a result, we had to pool our life savings for this enormous expense, which seemed unfair, but I'm glad we did. But when we got back to the NHS, we really did feel supported. There were a couple more checks, but apart from that, nothing else was different. And we also had to discuss with a consultant about options. He was sounding Trish out, basically. The upshot was she could choose whatever birth plan she wanted, but he wouldn't advise a home birth. Sounds stupid, but for the first time we actually felt normal. We were going through all the pregnancy dramas that normal people went through. 
There is a lot of pressure though. And it's only recently that I've seen a whole load of support on Instagram or podcasts for those expecting after fertility treatment. My favourite is called Finally Pregnant by Kat Strawbridge. It looks like everything is going okay, but once you pass that 12-week mark, then you have to get to the 22-week mark, hurdle after hurdle. And I know some people just go, well, you're on the home straight now. But if you've gone through fertility treatment, you know you cannot take anything for granted. There is so much built-up pressure and anxiety. This isn't about the nine months. This is about the one-year, two-year, six-year journey trying to get to that point. There's an unofficial club that people don't know about until they don't need it anymore. And it's we are pregnant and we have gone through IVF. I say we because you need to own this together. You've done the hard work and been part of a team, so claim that medal. I was anxious, my mates were anxious. Words of caution, well, you know, just take each day as it comes. How long is the farthest you got in pregnancy before? My mum couldn't relax and every time we went to the hospital for a checkup, we steeled ourselves for our dream to be taken away. But it wasn't. We were conscious though that the risks were still significant. Due to our age, there was a greater chance of disability. Up until 22 weeks, we had a greater chance of miscarriage. We were given an increased number of scans to put our mind at rest and to keep an eye on us. And then we had to discuss the birth. There was an added edge though, for however happy we were, and we were delirious after so many setbacks. We'd been conditioned for bad news, and so we couldn't carefreely relax into this and start painting nurseries. This isn't a nine-month journey. This is a six-year and nine-month journey for us. We practically came off social media and we just kept a low profile so that no one would inquire until we were absolutely certain. Well, apart from the fact that Trish and I were both due to run a 10k race around the beautiful Trent Park with our local running club and good friends. And Trish decided that she was going to walk it rather than forego her place. It was a beautiful day and we were going round for a barbecue at one of the runners' house afterwards. And after I finished my run and the others were patiently waiting, I said, don't wait for Trish, we will meet you there. I waited, thinking life is good, and waited and waited, but for a different reason now. Finally, I hear cheering and everyone is getting to their feet, clapping the last runners over the finish line. And there's Trish with the back markers, bright red, blushing, not hot, as everyone is cheering her over the line saying, well done. I could tell from where I was clapping that she was bursting to say, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, that's why I'm walking. I didn't really relax all year until Rosie was born by a caesarean and she grabbed hold of my finger three minutes after being born. She was real now. A lifelong dream had come true and my heart exploded. But like I said in the trailer, this podcast is not about the miracle that is Rosie. It's about the journey to get there. As I'm conscious that some dads-to-be will be patiently or not so patiently waiting for their own miracle or may need to make a different journey. And who knows what form that may take. But don't lose faith. 
And I can say that as I have been there and I have the IVF Dad t-shirt to prove it. Surround yourself with good people and positive creative thoughts. And remember, it only takes one and dreams really can come true. I'd like to thank the people that helped bring this story to life. Ali Oliver, who acted as my informal editor, Anna for support and counsel, Grace for fact-checking, Ella Chadney for marketing and social, Tibor Papp and Martin Coward for design, Gareth Evans and 1860 for brilliant production, Rowan Bishop for magical sound design, and I can't forget Dr. Alison Taylor and all the experts for bringing us through this journey. And of course, Trish and Rosie, my rays of sunshine. And you lot, the friends, the family, the community, the listeners, the support network, the podcast hosts, the authors, the experts who really care. And for you, who are still on your own very personal journey, I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you for listening. This has been IVF Dad. I started this podcast to provide support during the lonely fertility journey and ensure others didn't suffer in silence. So please do share it with anyone it can help. Log on to ivfdad.com. I would love to hear from you and hear your stories. For future episodes, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, etc. Follow us on Insta and Twitter at ivfdadpodcast and on the website, check out the email and the show notes. There's some great links, advice and money-saving tips. Stay healthy, stay positive and remember, it only takes one. I can't tell you how much still, nearly 30 years into this, that when it works for a couple, as it has done finally, um, with Rosie coming along for you and Trish, the joy that that brings you is, is just the best thing ever. The eggs are collected from theatre and the right sperm and the right eggs are put together into an incubator. Someone will turn the lights off and say goodnight. I'm not joking, they actually do. I always turn the lights off and say night-night. And then we leave the lab and we all come in tomorrow morning and we're looking to see if the magic's worked. Does um, that still make you excited? Absolutely astounds me. I still get this, this anxiety and this pit in my stomach and I think, oh God, I hope this worked. So to see fertilisation in the morning is just, it's just magic. Oh. I absolutely love doing embryo transfers. I mean, a mantra in that room is, where there's an embryo, there is room for hope. It is absolutely amazing. And I guess that's what keeps us all doing it because that's so rewarding to mm. think that you've played a very small part in this massive journey for a couple to go from not being parents to being parents is the best thing ever, genuinely. I think, you know, we do have couples where they've had lots of failed cycles, but all of a sudden, different batch of eggs, different batch of sperm, different treatment idea you do get that one that you know out of nowhere will happen and it's it's incredible it's incredible for for, for them and obviously it's incredible for us to see and that's why you know, i spend a lot of time saying it just takes the one and, it, and it's true seeing the embryo on the screen that you've spent the last three weeks putting yourself through 
not often very nice things to achieve is a really nice moment for a couple. And that embryo going in and people leaving without real hope of what's going to happen in nice day's time, mm. I think it's probably the bit I like, I like most. Yeah, absolutely. And getting that email 10 days later to say people are pregnant. I know the scientific side, obviously, but I do tend to sort of err on the side of just keep those fingers crossed because things can happen and unusual things can happen and unlikely things sometimes can happen. So just keep, keep hope there. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? You might as well give up or go on a long holiday. Absolutely, yeah. It crossed our mind a few times, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I've got the opportunity to scan with one of the consultants and see the baby. For me, as I you know, see the heartbeat, it's, it's a miracle. This is a miracle, every single one. But this as well, I have to say, it, none of you give up. And that is the most amazing thing. And you supporting each other. Is I, I don't have to tell you how to support, you know, your partner. Okay? And I always wish, and I tell to every single patient, hopefully I don't see you for a couple of years. <laughs> and that is the best. When do you come and you tell me, Sonny, pregnant. And it's like, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. 